well, with my partner and I, it's mainly, mainly multifamily and that's all we do. But on the personal side, I mean, I, I'm a huge, you know, LP, like I, I love passive investing. Oh, okay. I'm very, I'm very passionate about passive investing and, and, um, you know, getting financial independence through passive investing. And so I am invested in multifamily. I'm invested in mobile home parks. And then I'm also invested in storage units and then also some oil fields of, of all things. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host and late night DJ, Yona Weiss, here for some classic rock. No, we got Aaron Wong here today as our guest. I'm really excited to speak with Aaron. He is a real estate investor, a very successful one, has taken a career in just showing other people how to invest passively and create wealth through real estate investing. I'm really excited to speak with you today, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm very grateful to be here. I've been a longtime listener, longtime follower of you. So actually kind of a dream come true here. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, that's, that's amazing. So let's, uh, you know, a little background. I mean, tell us a little bit how you got started in real estate. Obviously, that's what you're fully focused on right now for the past several years. Was that something that you had studied for or this is a career shift, you know, 180 degrees? Yeah, so I've always been interested in investments. Like out of college, I was into stock investing and things like that. My wife, she's been much more of a the back behind the scenes investor, kind of going through me, kind of pushing me to get into investing. So we've always been into stocks. I've invested in stocks, you know, since around the crash, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008 time. It wasn't probably the best time to get into investing in stocks, but I mean, good buying opportunities, I guess, around that time. But I've always been in, invested into stocks, into investing, always been interested in those things. And, you know, it was probably back 2013 is when I really tell people I started my uh, real estate career is when we did a, a live in flip out in California when we were living out there in San Francisco. It took us about a year to finally buy a house. It took a while. It was very competitive at that time as it is now. Everyone coming in with cash offers and everything like that. And so we finally got into a house, a 1960 build, 1,200 square feet, needed a lot of updating. Didn't have a little bit of updates done, but we, we had to do a lot of the updates. And then uh, the whole backyard was really where I spent the majority of my time, which um, turns out, you know, spending three years working on a backyard, it paid off, right? So, you know, we spent three years rehabbing. Eventually we moved out. We moved out of San Francisco, rented it out for a couple of years. And then we were kind of in that time frame, that tax break time where, you know, where you live in it two out of the last five years, you can get that tax break. And so we're, we had to decide, what are we going to do? We're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to hold on to it, we're going to hold on for a while because, you know, we're not going to get that tax break anymore. And so ultimately we decided to sell it, you know, very well on it. Uh, we feel very, very blessed what we got out of it. And from there, my wife was like, hey, you should look more into real estate. I think real estate is where we should go. And so I was kind of figuring out what should we do next? I was studying a lot about more about finance because I'm really into, you know, stocks and investing and personal finance. Uh, you know, the FIRE community, you know, that 
have you heard of the fire community? You know, the, yeah, finance yeah financial, yeah, exactly. Financial independence, retire early, something like that. Yes. Yeah. I was really into that. And so listened to a bunch of webinars and podcasts and then bigger, bigger pockets kept coming up as like, Hey, if you're getting into real estate, getting a bigger pockets. So finally, I was like, okay, let me check out those bigger pockets and kind of see what is this thing. Got on there. And then started listening to some webinars and podcasts with like Brandon Turner and, you know, him and talking about all his real estate and, and he really pushed like the multifamily route. And so I was like, okay, you know, cause we're trying to decide what do we want to do next with, with our, with our, what we made off of our, our sell. And so we're like, all right, I want to do real estate and let's go straight to multifamily. And so we start off going straight for the fourplexes. And so within probably a month, two months of each other, we closed on like two fourplexes and two duplexes all within a month. And not even where we lived. I mean, we were living now in, in uh, Virginia. And then uh, we we bought the du- fourplex and the two duplexes in Dayton, Ohio. And then oh, wow. we bought a f- fourplex in St. Louis, Missouri. And, <laughs> and sight unseen. Never, well, never saw them. Were there any reasons <laughs> where you, where you, were you drawn to those markets for any specific reasons? Or were you, had you lived there in those places? I know that's some reason why people are drawn to certain markets. Yeah. Never, never lived there. Never been there. And so really why we, we chose those, those areas is because, you know, everyone's talking about, hey, the Midwest is where cash flow. We were interested mm-hmm. in cash flow. We're like, gotcha. we're straight up cash flow investors. And so they're like, Midwest is where you want to go. So my wife is kind of taking the lead and, you know, going online, looking for houses. And so found those Dayton, Ohio properties and the St. Louis property. We jumped right in and uh, kind of went from there. And then a few months after that, we closed on a fourplex in um, Buffalo, no, Niagara Falls, New York. And so we got that that portfolio done wow. down there, all within probably around three or four months of each other. So, so we got that done, and then and then COVID hit. You know, it's right around the COVID time, and then we're visiting a friend back in Utah because that's where I'm from. And I was telling him about what we're doing with real estate. Kind of, we're just catching up because we hadn't seen each other for years. And uh, I was telling him about real estate, and he's like, "Hey, I want. I, I'm really interested in this. I've I've got some funds. I'd like to." Utilize. I was going to go build a big cabin by a lake, but this sounds much more interesting to me. So we decided to partner up and start going after some some more properties. And so then from there, we closed on a 12 unit, another a fourplex, duplex. And then um, about how long was it? About maybe a year, a year ago. Uh, yeah, almost a year after that, closed on a 200 unit. And, um, you know, from there. So that's kind of when we started our our uh, syndication yeah. career was, was with that 200 unit. So that's a big switch going from duplexes, fourplexes, right? Okay. Scale up to 12 units. Okay. And then 200 units. Okay. There's a huge, I mean, see, it sounds like a very big difference. I mean, is what drew you to, I mean, cause it sounded like you were doing pretty well with the cash flow mm-hmm. with some of these smaller properties, um, smaller multifamily, which again, is a great way to get started in investing anyone out there, especially if you like you did you're living in one unit, like, et cetera, that's, that's something where you're a uh, live and flip or whatever it is, however you want to get started. But at a certain point, there's a trend and I've seen this a lot, people realizing that they want to scale into something much bigger. So two questions, two part question, Aaron, for you, how did you decide to like start looking at these bigger properties? And, and number two, is that something you're solely focused on now, or are you still focused on are you still, you know, looking into the smaller multifamily deals? Good question. So the 200 unit actually, it's not something we were looking for. 
like we knew we wanted to get bigger, like 12 units is really big for us. Uh, we, we were like, let's go for something around 50 to 150 units. Like, cause that's kind of the sweet spot. That's kind of where a lot of competition everybody's at right now. That little sweet spot is really, I think that'll be good for us around a 50 to hundred property. And so we started looking, my partner was the acquisitions. So he's looking, 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 finds this 56 unit in Lawton, Oklahoma. And so we get it under contract, we fly out there and, you know, I'm in charge of the operations and a lot of the other, you know, outside of acquisition stuff. And so I'm working with property managers, trying to filter through, kind of find a good property manager we can work with. And while I'm talking to one of the property managers about this 56 unit, she's like, hey, there's a 200 unit that's also in this market that you should look at. I hear it's not on market yet, but I hear it might be. And so, okay. Uh, we did, you know, I, it's like, yeah, you know, it's wishful thinking. It's 200 units. That's I mean, huge. how did you respond to that? I mean, she was like, oh yeah, here. You're just talking about, you know, looking for other properties and like, boom, 200 units. Yeah. What yeah, was your exactly. original response? Like, how did you I was say like, that? I was like, I was like, wow, okay, we'll take a look at it. But, you know, in our mind's eye, we're just like, there's no way we're going to go after this 200. That's huge. 200 units. That's way too big. I mean, we've got, you know, 30 units amongst us right now. <laughs> we're going to go after 200. And so we're just like, no, we'll take a look at it while we're out there. Since it's in the same market, we'll just go take a look. So we right. go and walk our 56 unit. And then, you know, long story short, that didn't quite work out. But at that same time at the 56 unit, we also decided to walk the 200. Because funny thing is, the owner of the 256 unit was also a minority owner of the 200 unit. So that kind of led into some issues later on during closing. But so long story short, we walked it. We really liked that 200 unit. It was in much better shape than that 56 unit. And so we, we still were going after the 56 unit. The 200 unit was kind of still in the back, back of our minds. Like, I don't think it's going to be possible. Let's go for 56. We tried to continue to negotiate with 56 unit because we noticed that there was a lot more issues than what we expected. And so, but they weren't willing to budge. And so we just had to walk. And so then we're like, well, let's, let's go after this 200 unit. It's, it's off market. You know, may as well let's see what happens. And so we reach out to the seller. So that happens to be the seller. My partner lives in Utah. The seller lives in Utah, just out of by chance. Where and, where was uh, the property again? Sorry. Uh, in Lawton, Oklahoma. Lawton, Oklahoma, right. So Lawton, Oklahoma. just happens to be, right? And you're from Utah. And so I'm there's obviously that, that connection right away. Yep. Um, yep. There's that connection there. And so we reached out. Uh, basically, they said, this is what we want for it. We want $8 million. We're like, okay. We ran it through our underwriting. And I'm like, okay, I think we can do it. We can do it at 8 million, but nothing more. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where our comfort zone was right at right. 8 million. And so got under contract and, and eventually, I mean, it took us four months to close. So there were some issues, but uh, eventually we got it closed. And so that, that's kind of where we got that done. Amazing. And so it's second part of your question is, are we still focused on the smaller? We're not. We're actually trying to get rid of our smaller portfolio now. Uh, we did sell off some of our quads. For the amount of time that we're going to be spending on it, we may as well just go bigger and, and look look at bigger units. Not 200 units necessarily, but like 50, 100 units. I think it's just the scalability and just the, the amount of time that we're going to put into it. I think it's just going to be better off for us. So that's what we're, we're actually trying to kind of scale away from those smaller <laughs> that makes sense. So tell me a little bit about some of the problems that you faced when you right, had this 200 unit property, first, you know, large 
property, the size. I mean, so it was just you and your partner. Did you bring on anyone else? Obviously, you said it was a syndication, which means you raised some money from uh, some friends and family, or was this other people outside of that circle? Yes. So we had a partner that we had been talking to, just friendly, just getting to know each other. And we really wanted to do some projects together. And so we brought them in. And so they, they tried to raise from us, but most of their investors, because they lived in Ohio, they, mm. their, most of their investors wanted to stay in Ohio and that's fine. But we still gave them a piece of the GP to, to help with like investor relations. And then they still do a lot, you know, they still help consult with us. And then it just happened to be, cause, you know, you know, our philosophy is we just tell everybody what you do, right? Just talk about it. And so my partner, you know, he had just got off a business trip, got back. And that next day he had to fly to New York to attend a bat mitzvah. And so he really didn't want to go because he was so exhausted, but he's like, I committed to this. You know, he's a very loyal person. And so he's like, I'm going to go. So when he was there, his friend was just telling everybody, Hey, this is my friend. He, he does real estate, you know? And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so he introduced him to his brother-in-law who also does real estate and they start talking and he says, you know, we do a lot of real estate in the East coast, Northeast and Florida, but we really want to go in the go more in the Midwest. And, you know, as soon as he heard that we had a deal in Oklahoma, it's like kind of light bulb went off and it's like, Hey, I want to, I, I would like to help you guys. And so we did a little talking, you know, negotiating and eventually they jumped on board uh, and helped us a lot as they became basically like the KP type role for us, but that helped, that helped us raise gotcha. a lot of the capital. So, so we were very fortunate that, you know, we just tell everyone what you do and then, you know, good things hopefully happen. <laughs> that's such a good lesson. It's so true. And I hear this over and over again. If you're starting out in real estate, if you're doing anything, whatever it is, keep people posted and just, just talk to everyone you meet, right? Anyone it is, because you never know where that new connection is going to come from. You never know where uh, some guidance may come from, right? This is the first time you guys were taking on such a large deal. I'm sure there were things that you weren't aware of that fell into your lap. For example, right, you mentioned that it took about four months to close, which you know, it's not not a ridiculous amount of time. There are definitely properties that close longer. You know, sometimes if you're doing a HUD loan, it could take 180 days, you know, to close or, you know, 120 days to close that. But what were some of those issues that you mentioned that came up during that time? I think a lot of it was on the lending side. <laughs> and so we had actually had a lender selected, but then our KP, our, our partner came in and says, I think I can get you a better interest rate. So, I mean, we're right in the middle of this. I mean, we're 30 days in already, right? And he's like, I think I can get you a better deal. Finds a lender. We probably shouldn't have. We probably should just kept going with this one lender that we're going with. And, but uh, we, we switched lenders. And so that basically started the clock all over again. And then we had to balance that with the seller wanted to close. And so, and then with this particular lender, they're a very well-known lender. I'm sure if I mention them, people would know who they are, which I won't necessarily talk about them, but they, they just had a lot of requirements. And I think them knowing that, hey, this is our first really big loan, that they just kind of tried to take everything, right? <laughs> and so, you know, we they, they had all their inspections. And so we had all our money raised. We had to raise $2.5 million. Well, it was really like a $2 million raise. And then after all of their inspections and all of whatever requirements that they had, they basically came back and says, hey, your $800,000 rehab loan budget is not enough. We're going to, it needs to be $500,000 more because we need you to do ABCE, right? And we're going to take that $500,000 from your working capital. So basically now we're like, where's all our working capital, <laughs> right? So, and so that was, that was one of the issues. Um, 
was was trying to deal with all that. And so a lot of it was just kind of trying to deal with the lender because a lot of the requirements and just knowing that because a lender puts these requirements in doesn't necessarily mean that they have to stay in. Like everything's negotiable. Everything is negotiable. And so, you know, us trying to get this loan done and kind of on the clock, we just kind of said yes to a lot of things that we probably should have pushed back on. And that was a big learning experience. So now going into these next deals that we're in, we know that we, hey, we can push back on these, these terms. The terms that they say are not final. So yeah. that was a big learning experience for us. Those are always learning experience, which you know, you'll know going forward how to go into that in the, you know, the best way possible from the beginning, right? Uh, yeah. So you guys, obviously this property closed last year and um, it's been stabilized. How, how is that going? How is the actual property running? Yeah, it's going very well. Uh, we have an awesome property management team. We are so lucky to have them. Uh, they are on top of things and, and they, they are amazing. And I mean, everything's going very well, you know, turnover, everything. We're actually ahead of schedule on a lot of our rehab and a lot of our pro forma budget. We had a little bit of setback in the last couple of weeks because we had two separate fires destroyed, you know, one unit, completely destroyed one unit. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank goodness for firewalls. I mean, you know, it could have spread pretty, pretty wide. Wow. Um, but luckily there was a firewall, only destroyed one unit, water damage to the unit below it and a couple of and some smoke damage. But overall, I think it's going to be what will be fine. We'll get over it. Luckily, we have insurance, good insurance in place. That's going to, you know, that'll help offset a lot of the costs there. Yeah, that's amazing. The insurance obviously is the biggest factor when you're dealing with a fire. Things, these happen and unfortunately happen, you know, on a daily basis all the time. So you just got to make sure that you have that proper coverage and you go into it the right way. You mentioned before, right? You're still continuing looking properties. Is there any other types of uh, you know, real estate classes that you're you know, focused on or is it specifically multifamily? Well, with my partner and I, it's mainly, mainly multifamily and that's all we do. But on the personal side, I mean, I, I'm a huge you know, LP. Like I, I love passive investing. Oh, okay. I'm very, I'm very passionate about passive investing and, and um, you know, getting financial independence through passive investing. And so I am invested in multifamily. I'm invested in mobile home parks. And then I'm also invested in storage units and then also some oil fields of, of all things. But <laughs> That's great. That's so, amazing. Yeah. No, you got to diversify. And these are all strictly, you know, LPs, passive investments and other people's deals. Yes. Yeah. Yep. How do you go about yes. finding those people, you know, the right deals to invest with? Because I know it's a question I get often asked, and uh, I'm sure our listeners would are be curious about the same, not necessarily to specifically mention the people, but how do you go about finding those deals or those sponsors? Yeah, a lot of it is networking, right? Just getting out there and just talking to people. And, you know, since I am, we are in the multifamily or the real estate, commercial real estate field, I get to know a lot of operators. And so I just... As I get to know them, I understand how they operate, who they are, and how they do business. And then when I have money or capital to be able to, to invest in, it's these people that I look at. And it's like, hey, I know you well enough that I see the way you operate, you know, because that's very important to me. It's not that, you know, the obviously the returns are very important, but the operators, it's almost more important than the returns, right? right? So, of course. Of course. Yeah. So when you say networking, like what, what what type of networking have you done to find these these partners or these sponsors? Yeah, I mean, since COVID, right, a lot of it's going to be virtual. You know, going to like your 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 webinars, you know, your those things that you put on the weekly. There's a lot of networking events that people put on, so I, I attend those as much as I can. 
There's a few here where I live. Uh, I try to attend when I can, but it's just attending these webinars and the, the, and these pot, and these uh, networking meetings because you start seeing the same people over and over, and you just start getting getting to know them and getting to know who they are. Absolutely. So I think that's that's important. All right. So plug here if you guys aren't aren't coming to our weekly Wednesday real estate connections virtual meetup. Put it on your calendar, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We have a different guest speaker every week and uh, really excited. We've had, you know, been doing it since literally April of 2020, right when COVID hit. And uh, thank God I've been going strong every single week for the last uh, close to two years now. So thank you uh, to all of you who have attended. And if you're listening to this and you haven't, check it out. If you don't know where to find it, just go to my website or go to uh, LinkedIn and figure that out. So that's my plug for you uh, today. And Aaron, this is a perfect segue to to move into the the final four. These are four questions that I ask all my guests. And the first question for you, what's the worst job that you ever had? This is actually pretty funny because whenever I hear you ask this question, I always think, about, man, I've got a pretty bad job um, <laughs> that I could share. I, mean, I don't know how bad it is. But anyway, so I graduated high school. You know, after I graduated, I worked. Um, you know, I, I, I got a job basically. Uh, there's a lot of drug testing. You know, when you drug test, you know what you do, right? You pee in a cup. And so what I did was I got that pee and I had to pour it into little vials and test it. And so, you know, it's, it wasn't the most glorified job. It, it wasn't the most fun job. I mean, it kind of smelled, obviously. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> but someone's got to do it. Right? I, I was just out of high school trying to get ready to go to college. And so I had to do something. <laughs> yeah, I would say that was probably my worst job. Wow. And just to segue from that, I mean, what did you do up until you got involved in real estate? So um, I was a consultant. So I did a lot of business consulting overseas. So uh, into China, like China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, those types of places. Gotcha. And so, okay. so I did a lot of that. So you're fluent, obviously, clearly. You have to have yes. uh, fluency in, <laughs> in the multiple languages to do that. Okay. That's, yes. that's cool. Okay. Awesome. Second question for you. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? I'd have to say, at least recently, the most recent book I read that gave me the paradigm shift. I guess right now, actually, I'm listening to a book. The, the book right now, it's called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. That's a very good book. Yeah. Basically, just taking taking control of your life and just not blaming others and just you know just being totally just be accountable for everything. It doesn't matter what happens. Yeah, Extreme Ownership is probably one of the best books I've read in mm-hmm. recent years. I mean, uh, I don't read a ton of business books or, or, you know, secular books, things like that. But the ones that I've come across through LinkedIn and stuff like that, that, uh, and I listen to the audiobooks, obviously, but that's one that's, that stood out literally has changed, changed mm-hmm. the way that I deal with a lot of situations from family to, you know, business and et cetera. But yeah, that's, that's huge. Absolutely. Agreed. Third question. What's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? So I've always been you know, I lived in, in Guam for a few years, a couple of years, and uh, did a lot of scuba diving while I was out there. And so I'd like to get back into scuba diving. I mean, I'm very passionate about scuba diving. So, you know, eventually I'd like to get trained to be, a, you know, like a, an instructor or something like that with scuba diving and, and uh, you know, teach people about scuba diving and just show how awesome it is. Very it's, cool. It's, it's, much, it's much different than, than snorkeling. When you're down in that water, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And they probably don't have much of that where you are in Virginia, right? No, it's a bunch of lakes and yeah, it's too cold. <laughs> so interestingly enough, just uh, according to my memory, I believe 
one other person on the, the last uh, 200 episodes or so of this podcast has mentioned scuba diving as a skill that they would like to learn. So a little yeah. trivia. Uh, I think that was Julie Holly, actually, who lives in Idaho. Also not much scuba diving out there. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, a little uh, Weiss advice trivia for you all out there. Now we got That's it. Awesome. I'll have to reach out to her. There you go. Figure out, yeah, how you guys plan a real estate scuba diving trip, you know? There you go. I am all for that. Fourth and final question. What does success mean to you? I feel like success to me is being able to make society a better place. That's my passion, right? I want to be able to be financially independent and be able to help others, you know, be financially independent themselves. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that want to do this. And that there's also a lot of not so good advice about, you know, how to become financially independent. It's not all about money. It's about the quality of your life. And so, you know, it's, that's very important for me is quality of life and being able to help others to build that same quality of life, you know, through real estate investing or whatever investing it is and being able to teach financial independence. Cause I feel like this personal finance is totally undertaught here in, in, in the U S and like it needs to be talked about and, and discussed more in schools. And so that's something I really am passionate about helping others you know, learn more about this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to me how few people know about this. And I mean, I've done like polls on it. And just, you think about the education system itself. It's just not set up for success. It's not set up for people to, to become financially independent. I mean, it's just crazy to me. So anything anyone can do to help educate further anyone on the subject, I'm all behind that. So more power to Absolutely. you and uh, you. hope you hope you keep that journey going because that's that's really that's true success. Absolutely. Helping to get other other people successful, you know, they say like the cliche, right? You teach a man to fish, right? Or give a man mm-hmm. a fish, he'll eat, right? But you teach a man to fish, he'll he'll eat for a lifetime. And that's really what financial independence is all about: is teaching people mm-hmm. to, you know, know what to do with their finances and not just be stuck and dependent on Wall Street and on their their four hundred one k or whatever. No, I absolutely agree. I think the education system here. Tells people that work, you know, to teach them to work for 40 years and kind of rely on a social security or whatever it is. And that's not the way that we should live. We should be able to be in control of our life. Yeah, really sad. Uh, but yeah. thank you so much for taking the time, Aaron. This has flown by, as always. Tell our listeners how they can find you or reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. So you can reach out to me. I've got a free book that I'd like to share, you know, on uh, if you go to www.foremostcapitalllc.com slash fire. Um, you can also reach out to me on his, on Instagram. It's the recovering passive investor. And then I'm happy to kind of uh, reach out to everyone and talk to them there. And also LinkedIn. I'm awesome. Also, so. so before we go, you, you have to tell me, what is that? What's the recovering passive investor? The recovering passive investor. Yeah. yeah. What's that about? So it's basically talking about, you know, I was active, very active in, in real estate. And now I'm coming back to being more, trying to be more passive. And so I'm recovering. And trying to, and, and it's because I'm still active in, you know, being active in real estate, but eventually I definitely want to be passive. And it's just trying to educate and help people, help people understand that you can be a passive investor and it's okay. Because I think there's a lot of passive investors and LPs that say, oh, I have to be a GP. I need to be in a deal. But you don't. You absolutely don't need to be in a deal. You know, you can actually make a lot more money by being an LP than as a GP because GPs 100%. really don't make money until the end. So that's, that's, that's <laughs> so very true. There's a huge misconception about people having to be a GP. And I don't think you, you have to. That's uh, very well said. I absolutely agree with So recovering passive investor, meaning you're you're not recovering from being a passive investor. You're you're recovering from, from being, being an active, active investor. investor. Gotcha. Okay. So <laughs> yes. I got that yeah. clear now. <laughs> well, thank you so much for clarifying that. And thanks for for joining me. This has been been a lot of fun. 
Appreciate Absolutely. you taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is a dream come true. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, remember to our listeners, thank you for listening all the way to the end. And remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.